This is Bob Bledsaw Jr. of Judges Guild, and you're listening to Save or Die. admitted that he had had a nap on Sunday afternoon. Lazy like, uh-huh. There you go. That's why. Yeah. You got a nap. <laughs> Great. <clears throat> 109. Got it. Take one. Take one. Action! <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello, everyone. It's Save or Die. We made our saving throw from North Texas RPG Con. Just barely. Uh, speak for yourself. I'm still regaining Conburn. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, as usual, DM Mike. And with me is DM Jem. E of the No Casualty uh, Zero Level Funnel. Really oh, kind of you're going to start that, are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, the only person died, Liz killed. You know? <laughs> See, it wasn't No Casualty. I killed someone. <laughs> I didn't mean to, but I did. So and also with us is Dead Eye Lizzie. Yeah. <laughs> no fellow party member is safe from me. <laughs> and we're talking about North Texas RPG Con. Yay! Yay! And it's only been a week since the con, so it's still relatively fresh. <laughs> I hope in our heads. Ish. But well, I- first. I was just thinking, as we record this, I was flying home from it a week ago. I, I think we were actually home at this point, but only just. It was a lot easier to get home than it was, it was a with lot. Dallas traffic on a, on a Thursday night. Yeah. So anyway, let's talk about what we've been doing this week. What did we do at David this week? Who cares? Which is the con, I guess. <laughs> the hell you say? I ponied up, manned up, and ran my campaign last night. Woo! Well, then you can start. <laughs> we were all just waiting. It's like usually, it's like after you say that, it's like you know, and Jim <laughs> and Liz. Well, I can it's do like, that if it makes you feel better. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, with that silence, we're just like, okay, who's he going to call on? You know, well, <laughs> silence. Oh, so we could drop the bumper in. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Liz is still recovering from the con. I am. <laughs> well, uh, we did play in my campaign last night, and I'm going to brag on my players because they're all third, fourth level, and if you wanted like a rough equivalency to basic D&D and regular D&D, uh, 
the levels are about twice as powerful because the levels only run to 10. So third or fourth in a DCC campaign or MCC campaign is roughly equivalent to six to eight in a, the context we would normally discuss on the show. So I got the bright idea. Well, it's time to try a dragon out on him. And I busted out and created this mutant creature using the DCC um, dragon rules, which are not your basic D&D walking bag of XP. I mean, like five melee attacks around a 99 hit point breath weapon, uh, AC 27. Sort of what dragons became in late second and third edition D&D. Yeah. Okay. With with mutations. (laughs) I I, I was like killing myself going, oh, just give him Godzilla breath and be done with it. So atomic breath, (laughs) done. And uh, I, Is that it? You want more? <laughs> I didn't know how it was going to go, and I thought there was probably... I mean, uh, my players don't know this, but I had a backup plan for how there could all be maybe revived later uh, if, they, if, if they were completely wiped out. But it only took out most of the village and killed maybe two or three of the players. And then one of them got off like a 30 mutation check uh, molecular disruption and took out 10 cubic square feet of its head. <laughs> That'll do it. And that was Which that. Tends to impinge the combat ability of anyone, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there went the 600-year-old worm with a name and a reputation. <laughs> you know. So uh, it was a lot of fun, and um, we had, uh, for whatever reason, the campaign is growing, and we had a new player drop in, a woman named Beth, and uh, I have never seen anybody hit the ground running. I mean, she's played. Uh, third and fourth edition. She's got some gaming experience, but I mean, she just did that magic trick where she just dropped right in the group like a missing jigsaw puzzle piece, and 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 didn't even take it hard. When I mean, it's it's ten minutes into the first game at my table for this woman. We spent an enormous amount of time. Not I'm sorry, it wasn't enormous. We spent time before the game generating her character, who was a uh, female sentient tiger with organic chrome wings. I mean, how cool is that? And ten you minutes, killed her, didn't ten you? Ten minutes in. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> I'm like, it's okay. It's a 99 hit point breath weapon, uh, save for half damage, and she's sitting there with 14 hit points. <laughs> and she didn't save for half, really. <laughs> and she just picked up the old school vibe, and turned her character sheet over, and kept paying attention. I'm like, hang on. And thankfully, um, because there's no raised dead or resurrection spells in DCC, there's a mechanic called recover the body. After the battle's over, if it's within an hour, you can go roll the bodies of your dead party members over, and if they make a luck check, they come back with like one hit point and lose one off one of their stats. And so she came back. They weren't dead. They were just grievously wounded. Right. <laughs> right. Gotcha. And uh, so, yay for new players, and... Yay for me for finding the energy to do Actually, that. That's kind of a Texas cool. Con. That's a cool rule. I might import that. Well, it's. I, I think Joseph probably did that specifically because there's no resurrection raised dead in DCC. You know, there's no, the, the clerics are never bringing you back. You die, you're gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you want to have a chance, then you need to do something. Yeah. Of course, my problem is when I run classic D and D. You know, maybe it's leftover from my AD&D days or just something, but I'm not big on really high magic games. So finding a level, a sufficiently level cleric to do a raised dead or is kind of hard. So this might make a good alternative. I've got a magic user running around in my brother's old campaign that's practically Doctor Who, how many times he's been resurrected. <laughs> <laughs> he's on his 13th regeneration. And now he's Scottish. Anyway. How about you guys? Did, did you game, or are you still recovering? 
Well, it's, we sort of game yesterday. <laughs> sort of game yesterday. <laughs> Liz wanted to leave early because our eight million year old cat is is causing trouble. And so out of four, four and a half hours, I think we gamed an hour and a half. Maybe, maybe two tops. <laughs> We kept drifting off on tangents. I mean, and you know gamers, they drift off on tangents anyway, but we were really bad about it. Sometimes oh. even on a podcast. Yeah, well, it's like... No, no, no. <laughs> Half of our group couldn't come. So it was me, Mike, and Tim. Um, Mead was going to someone's wedding, and John, who's playing our bard right now, is um, up in Portland... And he's supposed to be coming back next week. But anyway, it was just the three of us and Chase. And they just kept talking and talking and talking and talking about, you know, video games and, you know, stuff online and, you know, books and movies. It's like Part of the problem was we never got to talk to them really at the con. So it's like we had all this built up. We see them going, hey, did you do this? Did you see this? What's yeah, this? so we spent hours just sitting at the table and, you know, jawing at each other. It's like, um, and, I, and finally I reminded everyone, it's like, uh, we need to leave early today if we're going to game at all. And I'm not saying that we should. I'm cool with just doing this if everyone else is, but... But maybe could you give me, you know, a combat? Something? <laughs> Something? Anything? Well, I got tusks, so I'm happy. But you yeah. grew, your character grew tusks? Well, well, I'm running a half-ogre. And I always picture the 70s, early 80s classic half-ogre, you know, with the tusks, you know, the... Oh, underbite and having the tusks out the side well apparently the second edition half ogre basically just looks like a guy maybe with a big guy with maybe orange eyes or something oh that's bullshit yeah and he told me that i wanted his tusks i wanted tusks and he's like well you know i wanted well that's not how it is in in 2e and like well that's stupid i want tusks like why do you think i played a half ogre and he's like because you wanted the massive strength bonus and I said, fine, I'll give up my strength bonus if you'll give me tusks. And he did. <laughs> he didn't take away my strength bonus, though. But I, I think maybe that pointed out to him. He was like, I want to roll a half over. I've forgotten my top five things I liked about North Texas Con to put in there. I finally got to meet DM Chase. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll be a briefly. But everything was briefly. But we'll get to that in our top five. So, so yeah, mostly that was... Our gaming during the week. No, no, in DM Chase, he gave you the tusks, but you're not proficient with them yet. <laughs> oh yeah. Every time yeah, you try I did to my eat, usual. you're gonna have to do a save. Make sure you don't bite yourself. <laughs> yeah, I, I did my usual. We're getting a, a ferry across this river, and I'm like, um, I don't have the sitting in a boat proficiency. <laughs> oh, so do I need that? My. No. Well, wait, wait. I don't have. Beach use. So does that mean I can't get out of the boat and get onto the bank? He said, make a roll. <laughs> well, you forgot to breathe because you don't have breathing proficiency. <laughs> cool, am I dead? No. <laughs> I guess this is the point where I thank you for not giving me a hard time like that at the game in Texas. <laughs> oh, God, no. No, you are not remotely. No. Uh, of course, it may have helped because we were all zero-level stupid people, so it wasn't like we had any skills. <laughs> if all you got's a spear and a flint dagger, the least I can do is let you be proficient with them, right? Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Except slingshots, right, Liz? That's right. <laughs> it's like, well, it doesn't matter how proficient you are in anything. If you roll a one, it's like, forget it. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Who did you tag? You, you tagged Dave Beatty right after he tried to bribe me with an entire box of Reese Cups, didn't you? I don't remember the names of anybody we sat with, Op- but he Ops- was like... Opposite the- corner from you. Yeah, it's like... Was there. Yeah, if you looked straight across from where I was sitting and then at the corner to my right, whoever that guy was, I killed one of his characters and... It, it Fortunately, was- he took it well. Oh, yeah, later. He saved that all for getting home and getting online. I, I, I gave Jim... DM Jim, uh, Reese Cups, and all I got was three dead characters. <laughs> You're welcome. I don't think all of his characters died. I just remember that one that I killed. Well, you only—you definitely only killed one. Anyway. 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 <laughs> About the only thing I'd like to mention, apologize to Andrew Larius for missing him again. Second year in a row. From Ireland. All I can say is we missed most people this year. We were really busy, but we'll get into that later. And the last thing I'd like to mention is I happened to watch the Jim Butcher, yeah, there had to be a Dresden Files reference here, um, seminar at PhoenixCon last year. And he actually mentions running his kids through Keep on the Borderlands. Aww. which was awesome enough, but he said he actually put it in a medieval D&D zombie apocalypse. So they were fighting through the zombies to get to the keep, which was one of the few remaining living outposts. And then they had to go to the, keep, the Caves of Chaos as a diplomatic mission to try to enlist the humanoids on the side of the remaining humans. So it's like, you made keep on the borderlands... A diplomacy role-playing adventure. Wow. That's kind of cool. With D&D zombies, which would kind of be... The which walk- is always... The walking saving throws. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Although I guess they all... Probably all lose initiative, but still, you get enough of them. But I like zombies, and I like Jim Butcher, and I like Keep on the Borderlands, so I felt I had to mention that. Okay. Now, unless anyone else wants to bring up something, let's go to emails. 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 Get down, get down. Get down, get down. The The Save save or Die die. email hot Hot tub tub time time machine. Come here, you scrumptious little beauty. Here I go once again with the email. Every week I hope that it's from a female. Oh, man. The following emails have been edited for length and content. Which, of course, we don't have any of. Oh, of course not, because no one writes us. Everybody hates us. Nobody likes us. I'm going to go eat worms. Indeed. That is patently not true. (laughs) Yes, we do actually have emails. Um, We have a voicemail, too. Are we going to do that before or after emails? Oh, that uh, basic impressions. Basic impressions, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, our first email is from DM Kojo. Kojo! And Kojo says, greetings, Sodmeisters. Mm. I just got back from GaryCon 7. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little old. (laughs) And I had a great time. I enjoyed hanging out a bit with DM Jim, 
and his DCC RPG tournament was a rousing success. My only regret is that I had to step out from the tourney to make a Metamorphosis Alpha game. In addition to that game, I got to try Marvel Superheroes and Call of Cthulhu for the first time. Hope you didn't roll up random powers for Marvel Superheroes. <laughs> that's all I got to say. Hey, that's part of the charm. Oh, is that what it is? Yes. Oh. If you're going <laughs> to take random powers, you might as well play Villains and Vigilantes. Exactly. Which yeah, is also DM... part of the charm of that game. Yeah, Chase was grousing about playing V&V and ending up with randomly generated character powers. And... <laughs> you either... oh, well. Chase, you either want to old school or not. <laughs> yeah, it's like, if you sign up for VNV, you got to accept that. That's just going to happen. Hey, it's like randomly rolling your stats and taking what you roll in the order you rolled them. You know, it's kind yep. of the same sort of thing with the superhero genre. You know, I... you don't know what power you're going to get until you get it. <laughs> oh, that, that's how good this new play- player Beth was. She just sat down, okay, how do I generate a character? And I'm like, uh, 3D6 in order. And she didn't backtalk, nothing. She's like, okay. Yeah, boom, boom, cool. boom. <laughs> Anyway, um, going on, he <laughs> says, <laughs> back to the email. <laughs> uh, says, the dealer room was a frequent stop for me, and many OSR products were available. The reviews that you guys have done for some of the products were very helpful in guiding my purchase decisions. And, of course, Taco John was there to assist me with purchasing four books within my first ten minutes at the con. <laughs> well, Taco John is good at that. <laughs> that guy. That guy. I was joined at the con by my friends Chris and Michael. We all enjoyed the con tremendously, and Michael especially enjoyed it, as it was his first con experience ever. I am now re-energized with the OSR spirit, ready to venture forth and try new games with my gaming group, and maybe even give a try to writing some material this year. Glory be to the OSR! Game on, gamers! Thanks, Kojo. Hey, Kojo, you should definitely start writing some stuff. Oh, yeah. There's room for everyone. Too, too much is never enough. That's right. And I'm, I'm kind of happy to hear how many people at both either Gary Con or North Texas are going, and that's their first cons. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And I always love seeing, you know, whenever there's kids at a gaming con, and it's like, ah, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> the new generation. Start them right. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Okay, our next letter is from Kevin Searle, and he writes, Hey, classicalists, about the use of a caller. Last year, I started playing in a rather large online game of an OD&D variant called Planet Eris. It's an open table game with people coming and going, so each session is different, and the party size tends toward the large. The DM implemented use of a caller because otherwise the chaos of so many people bogs the game down at every decision point. It really sped things up. The only downside was that those who tended to not speak up were even more silent. This can be worked around by having the caller role rotated among the party. Kevin. What a good idea. (laughs) I hadn't thought of that, but yeah. Unless you're you're so, you know, insular that you know, you, you're now the caller. Ah! I don't want to be the caller. <laughs> I don't be the caller. <laughs> but that would commit, uh, avoid monopolizing. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a cool idea. Yeah. And from way he talked, it seems to work. So, well, especially in large groups, which is what we were saying earlier, that that's probably how it started. You know, Gary with 
25, 30 people at his table. Yeah. Well, also with a game like that, and I think you would get the same sort of experience with, you know, say a convention game um, where you don't really know everybody with you. Because, you know, it sounds like, you know, open table, there's a different group of or a different mix of people every single time online. Yeah. So if you're sitting with a bunch of people that you either don't know or only know a little bit, you know, having a caller does help to keep things moving, especially in those scenarios. I'll tell you. Unless you, could, unless you do a Tim Cask. Yeah. <laughs> Easy now. Uh, I'll tell you one more you thing. too long. You're going you that long. way. You're doing this. <laughs> One more thing it helps with in those extra large groups is it gets the players discussing what they're going to do with each other rather than all facing you at the same time as the judge or the DM, True. Which, can, which can become a problem sometimes. Again, especially with large groups. Yeah, as long as your caller doesn't take you know, the position of basically telling the rest of the group, okay, you're doing this, you know. Yeah. It's like I'm now party leader because I'm the caller, and so I'm making the decisions of what all of you are going to do in this combat session. So anyway, thanks for letting us know about that, Kevin. Yeah. And our last email is from Jonathan Perkle. Perkle. And- Jonathan. And he writes Do you really think it's Perkle? You- I've always imagined it was Perkel. I'm not really sure. Write I, us in and let us know. Yeah, I think I pronounced it Perkel the last time we had a letter from him. So it's like, well, I'll do it one each way. And, you know, one of them will be right. <laughs> the great save or die tradition of mispronouncing last names. That's right. Yeah, by doing it both ways, we ensured we mispronounced it at least once. Exactly. <laughs> That's efficiency. So it's now up to you, Jonathan, to write in and let us know which one was right. <laughs> anyway. Jonathan says, Dear Saved or Dead. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Regarding North Texas RPG Con, I'm looking forward to seeing you all there. And we did. He was one of the few people we actually did see and get to talk to. That's right. And game with. Yeah. He says, I don't really have anything else for you. I just wanted to see how much time after the con passed that you got around to reading my letter on the podcast. Yours three months ago, I'm guessing... DM Perky. Ha, well, in your face, Jonathan. <laughs> so, we showed you. One week. <laughs> what did you do, Liz? Did you grab this email and shove it forward just so we could read it? <laughs> Actually, no, I didn't. Um, although, to be fair, you know, we had like um, three emails from Kevin in a row. And I only read the first one since we didn't want to have like one-person email fest all in one show. Like for a while we had the Vic Shade show? Yeah, everything. It's Vic Shade, Vic Shade. It's like, <laughs> no, that, that gets a little monotonous. So the there's two more emails from Kevin, and the second one of those will read the next show. So I did skip over those two. Um, but apart from that, a lot of our other emails that we had received between then and now were, you know, people hey. wanting to know, you know, if we would be interested in reviewing their product, um, things like that, that don't really, you know, translate to a fun email experience. (laughs) I completely respect your email mavenry. I was just asking. Okay. Um, That's just saying, you know, I did skip over some, but, you know, some of them, you know, really weren't ones that you would read online. Would you please do my product, you know? (laughs) And if someone does want to write to the show and place their email under DM Liz's Eagle Eye, 
where would they write to? Liz? (laughs) (laughs) Save or die podcast at gmail.com. Woohoo! See, that wasn't too hard. Or voicemails, 940-536-3763. And we actually have one, which we'll play next time, but it was Kojo, so again, we didn't want to do Kojolicious, so we saved it for next episode. (sighs) All right. Well, now, speaking of voicemails or such like, let's go into basic impressions and hear what Demon has to say about racist class. And hello to Mike and Liz and Jim and all the Save or Die listeners. This is T-Man from Pennsylvania. And sorry I haven't sent you anything in a while. Just been busy with things. You know how it goes. Um, but when I was listening to episode 104 and you um, read a letter from somebody who was asking sort of to take on um, the pros and the cons of classic D&D, uh, you know, in a real substantial way, I thought, boy, that's that's really something I'd like to talk about. And um I, and I would, and I really would like to say before I get into what I'm going to talk about, tell you that I really enjoyed the conversation where you were saying that that's sort of difficult to do, really for any edition, because what some people say is a con or a limitation is really more of a rules preference, um, you know, for how you like to run it. And admittedly, some of that comes from you know whatever you played first or played most when you were in your gaming formative years. Um, and one thing too to note. Before again, before I get to the main point, is that while there may be some, you know, nobody's saying there's there's limitations in any system. Sometimes when you try to fix those limitations, you create other problems too. So, for example, you folks talked about the skills, and um, later editions have tried to fix this with a more unified mechanic and adding skill sets and all that, and that's fine. Uh, but what seemed to come along with that was a lot more complexity. For example, with 5e, I was really hoping it would be more like an updated basic or they would provide something that was closer to the old basic expert D&D. Um, you know, sure, have some uh, unified mechanic if you like or change some things. Uh, but it seemed like in streamlining that, there came this huge amount of rules overhead that just didn't work for me. And I'm not saying that it's a bad game or anything at all. And I would absolutely play in those games. I, I have played 5e games. Um, but I don't think for me I want to I want to run them. Okay, let's get to the meat of the matter. One thing I want to talk about is that the you know the main criticism or one of the main criticisms against classic D and D is the race as class issue that some people really don't like that. Well, let's take a look at the pros and the cons. I think the real pros are this streamlines character creation. You know, you can make a character very very quickly. Um, it also might be easier for new players because what you're providing them with is archetypes. You know, dwarves are usually fighters. That's how we see them in the novels and how we see them in the movies. Um, you know, and elves are fighters, but maybe they have access to a few spells that they've picked up because they're a little more magical. Um, so it really provides good archetypes for new players to bring them in. And something else to think about is that it allows character to come out through role playing. Uh, here's what an example. I had a player wanted to play a swashbuckling type, you know, a three musketeers type. And we looked at some character class options that were out there. And in the end, he said, no, I'm just going to play a regular fighter. and I'm going to play him like a swashbuckler. You know, he's kind of a dandy and he worries about getting his clothes dirty and kind of rushes in chivalrously. And he's been a blast in the game. Um, I I think changing the mechanics wasn't the issue. His character came out through the role playing. Um, Even somebody, let's say, look at Bilbo. You might say, well, there's no halfling thief in classic, and that's true. But if you really look at Bilbo, 
his um, skill as a burglar wasn't so much from mechanical skills and percentile roles. You know, he had a magic ring, and he tended to out-talk people when he got in bad situations, like with Gollum or Smog. Um, you play Bilbo with just a regular old halfling and give him a magic item and some charisma roles or intelligence roles, and you got it. You don't need to change anything. Um, or even the paladin class. Let's say somebody wants to be a paladin. That's fine. Allow them to be a cleric, a cleric use edge weapons, and you know maybe adjust the XP charts a little bit or bump their spells up a few levels if they don't really have access to spells till maybe third level. Minor, minor changes, and racist class works just fine. Now, let's look at the cons, though, you know, because that's what the uh, person said in their letter. If you really want to say um, racist class, yeah, it's true. It doesn't mechanically support characters like Legolas or Bilbo. If you look at Legolas, he really wasn't uh, a fighter magic user. He was much more of an elf warrior. Um, and same thing with Bilbo. If you did want to give him some climbing ability or some thief skills or something like that. So let's look at some options. Uh, one option is other classic supplements. For example, I believe the Hollow World supplement provided an Elf Warrior class, which would be perfect for somebody like Legolas. Certainly, you can buy some supplements. Um, you folks had an interview with the guy from Barrel Rider Games not too long ago, and he publishes tons of alternate um, classes for basic. Um, you could also just make your halfling, halfling thief or your Elf Warrior or your Dwarf Cleric. Just use another rule set. Just use Advanced AD&D or something and... Then port it over, you know, and just use the basic expert modifiers or something. You certainly can do that. Adjust your XP charts. Um, or you can just hack it yourself. Just get out the basic rule book and the expert rule book or whichever version you use, rule cyclopedia, whatever you like. And, you know, with, without too much tinkering, you can have a halfling thief in just a few minutes. You can have a, um, like I said, a dwarven cleric or a strict elf warrior or elf magic user without too much overhead on your time. So just to wrap up, you know, what some people are saying is a limitation. In some ways, it's a preference. And it's also something that's very, very easy to hack. You can make these changes without breaking the game. Um, you're not going to topple the Jenga Tower. I think that's a little harder to do in some later editions. No knock against any other editions. That's, that's not what I'm saying. Um, but I think one of, the, it, one of the strengths of BASIC is... You can adjust things very, very easily. You can bring things in from other games. You can bring something in, like an advantage mechanic or something, from a later edition if you like. So I think I've talked enough here, and um, hope everything's going well. And just thanks for letting me um, talk about this, and keep going basic. Yes, team, and you're bashing all other games. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. I, I, I thought he was right on the money, because he basically agreed <laughs> with all of us. Well, yeah, but, you know, he said, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm bashing all other games or other types. <laughs> it's like, if you want to do it this way, I'm not saying that's wrong. <laughs> it's totally wrong. <laughs> yeah, I like the story about his player with the swashbuckler, though. You yeah. Know, that's, that's really great, you know, for those, especially for those who say, well, a fighter's a fighter's a fighter. I can't do anything different with it. Of course you can. Well, you can do all sorts of things differently. I mean, I, I just I want to go here, here, here when somebody says yeah. something like that because yeah. that's old school. I do want to say, though, you know, he's talking about, you know, he gave the next example as Bilbo. You know, mm -hmm. it's like you can still play him as a halfling, you know, da-da-da-da-da. But then saying about the role-play aspect of making him into the thief, it's like, 
You seem to be describing a bard more than a thief. Fast talk, charisma, give him a little bit of magic. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want to sing where there's a whip, there's a way <laughs> to distract the zombies. So, yeah, no, I, I think he's got some valid points there. Um, although I'm more on the pro side of the races class than the anti. I can't argue significantly with any of the points he brought up. Though I will mention that um, Swords and Wizardry had the quote-unquote adventurer class, didn't it? Or am I thinking of basic fantasy? You got me. Okay, one of those, yeah, which was basically it's a separate class, but it's it's the elf class from classic if you want to basically play like that. It's an option. Well, sometimes you do need rule mechanics to do these things. For example, they're working on uh, DCC Lankmar, and so suddenly the, the thieves get some spell ability, and the wizards can swing swords fairly effectively to try and simulate for its uh, liber. I mean, that's legit, but the idea that I need a special class to make my character special, you can roleplay him special. And, of course, the big argument for especially the Grey Mauser was... You know, like, well, he's a fighter, he's a magic user thief. And like, well, he was a, he was trained as a magic user, then went instead to be a thief, other than occasionally getting some instruction from Shelob, wasn't it? Or was it Ningobble that was with him? Uh, one or the other. But anyway... Whichever he, one had he, all the eyes under his hood, that was his. Yeah, but um, I think it was Ningobble. But anyway, um, he really didn't... Inc- expand on his spelling that spell use that i recall in the books he mostly you know it's well it's something he added a background but that's really it yeah i mean you and again what Timon was saying you can import classes from any other versions taco <laughs> so you know you can pretty much give anybody what they want to play but actually what i find really useful about the racist class is that's great as a dm because, okay, you ran to six elves. Boom. Here they are. First level elves. Got it. You know, yeah, and you can run. Not, well, okay, there's six elves. Now, how many of them are fighters? How many magic users? How many clerics? How many thieves? Blah, blah, blah. So, I'll admit I may be a bit biased that way. So, you're in favor of lazy, is what you're saying. Well, <laughs> I think what Mike is trying to say is he's in favor of... The bias, the side effect of simpler rule sets is more role playing, and DM fiat. Exactly. Nice save for him. <laughs> well put. Well put. Which is a play style, and if you enjoy it, go for it. <laughs> so thanks for the basic impressions, Teeman. That was and actually kind of awesome, Teeman. Yeah. If anyone else would like to put in their votes on basic impressions, just either. Record one on our voicemail or record at home and send it to the Save or Die podcast account. Yeah, if you want anybody to be able to understand what you're saying later, record it at home as an MP3 and send it to us, please. Yeah, that's generally better as far as quality goes. All right. Well, let's go take a break. And then when we come back, we'll move into top five for North Texas RPG Con. (laughs) Thopus the Gnome here. The Save or Die podcast is brought to you in part by a more than generous grant from me. 
Don't you mean a generous grant by Lesser Known Games? Same thing. I pretty much run the joint. And this one too now, come to think of it. Here. Go finish the commercial for me, Nave. You got it. Lesser Known Games and Miniatures. Available at RPGnow.com, LesserKnown.com, or at a friendly local game store near you. Are you enjoying the show you're listening to right now? Want to help support the show? Why not head over to the Patreon site, patreon.com slash WGP. That's patreon.com slash WGP. And help support the network for as little as $1.50 a month. That's right, $1.50 a month goes a long way. Thank you. Five of North Texas. It was kind of hard to cut it down to five for me. <sighs> well, we could just take it as read that it was fantastic. Mike and Doug are saints and all that jazz, right? Yeah. <laughs> Except for the devil outfit. <laughs> but we'll get to that. Never so, fear. What's your number five? This time we'll start with Liz. Ew. Dun, dun, dun. Let's see. I guess I'll say my number five was being able to see our friends Ben and Jared again. Especially Jared, because he wasn't able to make last year's con. And so it's it's been two cons since we saw Jared. So that was pretty cool, being able to spend a little bit of time with them. Although they did war game the whole time, so... But Ben did. Yeah. Jared got in some role playing with us. Yeah, we got to play top secret with Jared. He was in that yeah. game with us. So that was cool. Which is why Jared's a better person. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Jim? Well, I, it would be disingenuous if I didn't deal with the mutant elephant in the room. Um, I mean, no. <laughs> so let's just get out of the way and stop talking about it. Um, my game got announced at the Goodman Seminar. Mutant Crawl Classics RPG is now a thing I can publicly speak about. Um, yeah, yay. Woo. Two years of playtesting and pitching. And what's what's genius about it is uh, it all started at North Texas Con uh, three years ago. Uh, three years ago, Zach... This is why Zach Glazer is always my little co-conspirator buddy, because three North Texas Cons ago, we were just outside smoking, talking about all the stuff we were going to do. And at this North Texas Con, we'd done them. So that was good. So uh, public service disclaimers, uh, the uh, preview startup rules will be in the Goodman Games Gen Con guide. Uh, 17,000 words worth of them, unless they cut back what I submitted. So you get a mm. peek at the game and enough rules to try and run it. And uh, Kickstarter later this year. Awesome. Big, big hardbound rule book. And yeah, Goodman Games, when they put out a hardback, they put out a hardback. It's not going to be DCC thick, but it's, you know, 87,000 well, words. It should be about yeah, Dungeon I, Master guide size. Yeah. yeah, sorry. I was thinking more along the lines like the Metamorphosis Alpha book. 
and the other stuff. You know, this is a heavy duty, nice book. In fact, the box it came in is just as good as the book <laughs> in quality. It's like, wow. <laughs> So obviously, this cardboard was really, you know, high quality, glossy, high quality, thick. You know, it's not yeah. the, not the thin, crummy stuff that you get from Amazon orders. It's like, damn, this box could take a beating, and your <laughs> book inside would still be protected. Joseph Goodman is insane because there was somebody's adventure that was so much like an old seventies, you know, Pink Floyd uh, album. Joseph researched with his printers if he could make a uh, record album slipcover case for a module, and turned mm-hmm. out he couldn't. But, I mean, he went and tried, you know. That would have been cool if he could, though. I know back in the 80s, Yaquinto, a war game company, actually had fold-out album games, like the, the old vinyl album, you know, the two, you know, one on each side folds out like a book. They actually had war games like that, which was kind of cool. So, yay, I wrote something that's coming out, Achievement Unlocked. The The important part is, uh, even though I wrote it, it couldn't have happened without my home campaign group that's been playtesting it for two years and a lot of inspiration and feedback. Uh, Joseph gave me notes, Harley Stroh, Michael Curtis, all kinds of people have, have you know, helped this happen. So, cheers for the mutant murder hobos. That's yay! right. Yay! <laughs> What? Let's move it along now. <laughs> Mike, what was your number five? My five was the size of the con. I mean, it's always been a small con. It's gotten bigger, but it's still, I think it's near the edge of, you know, big enough so that you can always find a game, but small enough you could still sit around and talk to people. I'm saying that yet. Theoretically, because we kept <laughs> running around everywhere because we signed up for too much this year. There was so much goodness, though. It was, yeah. It's, it's, you couldn't just cut it down. <laughs> nope, nope. But next year, Liz and I promised one game a day. That's all we're doing. So we can hang out and talk to people. But yeah, I think the, the con has reached its sweet spot as far as the size goes, as far as I'm concerned. It's funny because Michael Curtis and I were swearing to each other that, that was it for this point forward. We're only running one game a day. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and I lied because I looked at my Gen Con schedule. Nope, not so much. Maybe sooner, later. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you can keep that promise by next year's Gary Con. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Okay, Liz? Okay, number four. It's hard to just narrow it down to five things. Um. Okay, I guess I will say that my number four was finally being able to be at the midnight auction. Um, this was the second year that they did it. They Bad Mike started this last year, having a Saturday night midnight auction. He the satanic panic. The satanic panic auction. So you guys did in a devil suit. You guys did make it through it. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. We, Good we for did. you. I tried so hard and I just crashed. Yeah, was, we we were getting tired. It was like, no, we're not going back to our room. If we go back to our room, we will never come out again. So we, we made just ourselves we just stayed out in the dealer room. It's like we're going to make the thing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was great. It was pretty fun. Although I even <laughs> understand it was a a lot more 
well attended this year than it was last year. I suspect, oh. like us, there were a lot of people last year who never realized it happened until after it was over. And I'm sure the two serving wenches dressed with the horns and the slinky fishnet stockings and keyhole cutout stuff did not hurt either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Mike, how did you know about that? <laughs> I gotta ask. I told him how a they tremor were in the force. <laughs> I told him how they Because when they walked in and everyone started going woo, and Mike's going, "What's going on?" So I had to whisper to him. It's like the serving ladies have come in and they are dressed as sexy devilettes. <laughs> okay, here comes a tangent. I'm just warning you this time up front. Uh, uh, the that really good picture we got uh, Bad Mike to take of the three of us. Our, our annual Here's the Cast of Savored Eye. Uh, one of my college art school friends commented on that picture of you, Mike, going, somebody's doing a pretty good impression of Matt Murdock. Like, oh, I remember that. I'm like, I'm like typing back a comment, it's closer parallel than you think. Blind history <laughs> professor by day, steampunk superhero author by night. <laughs> okay, end of tangent. Okay. Well, Liz, anything else on the... Auction? Uh, just that it was a lot of fun. We got some cool, weird stuff that I will not be talking about in detail this game session. We'll just say that Michael Curtis said he would run one of those next year. He said he'd run it, and I'm holding him to that promise. <laughs> so it's whatever game you bought in space. In space. <laughs> that Bear suit option. Awesome. Yes, make it in space. <laughs> space bears. <laughs> All right, Jim, you're four. My little space ponies. <laughs> <laughs> because role-playing is magic. Uh, where are we, a, four? A, my little pony Warhammer 40K crossover. <laughs> oh, oh. Dale tangent Leonard, if you're time. listening, this is not directed at you. <laughs> yes, tangent time, though. There, you said... Warhammer 40k crossover with My Little Pony. Mm-hmm. There was a um, oh somebody did some little My Little Pony minis um, and made them into Mad, Mad Max Free Road My Little Ponies. Wow! Yeah, th- those are some badass looking ponies. Glad we'll to get some for Chase. Well, he made them himself. You know, ah, okay. it's not something that you can just purchase. You know, he took the little pony bodies. And, you know, did his own stuff to make them into the Mad Max ponies. So, Yeah, things that you see on humans in a movie trailer, you don't think about till you see on a miniature Mad Max pony. You're like, where do they get eyeliner and mascara in the post-apocalypse? Yeah, very true, very true. <laughs> they probably, they, they use, you know, the, the, the grease from the cars and stuff that they work say, on. I it. think the Egyptians used ground coal. Yeah. So... It is possible. Maybe not terribly good for you, but it is possible. <laughs> but that's all fashion, right? Okay. We're, we're, we're creating a Savor Die tangent bingo card that we can publish on the website. <laughs> Everyone follow along so listeners can play along at home. Doctor Who. Bingo! Sorry. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> it had to be mentioned. Yes. Sooner or later. All right. Uh, my number four? four. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Um... <laughs> You already talked about it. I made it. I made it one of the things. It's not. It. It. It's. It's both a a minus a pro and a con. Um, 
uh, a huge regret at not getting to spend time sitting down and talking with folks that I wanted to. I mean, I spoke briefly with Eric Tenkar. I saw Vince in the hall to say hi once. Um, I got to spend a few minutes with Corbett. Uh, Diesel is my favorite guy at every OSR con, and I didn't even do more than say hi to him. Janelle, uh, I got home and realized, hey, the Larsons weren't even there this year. You know, I regret all of that. There's just, you know, you have to do what you signed up to do. And so there was a lot of running around, and I missed a bunch of people that I wanted to spend some time with because on the flip side, the more pro, pro side, I mean, Mike Curtis and I got to sit down and have a lunch and be real human beings and talk about something besides gaming, you know, our outside yeah. interest. Yeah, sorry to report. I have some. And, that, <laughs> and, and that's just pure gold because Mike and I, you know, live different points in the continent. And, uh, you know, I already talked about Zach. Zach Glazer and I are both smokers, and uh, we had our annual co-conspirator meeting where we, you know, furthered our plan to one day take over the entire gaming industry together. Literally in a smoky room or one, a smoky one, outdoor room. Or one something. mutant gnome at a time. We're going to do that. And so we got, to, <laughs> we got to spend some time to do that. Oh, and as I think I was telling you off air, during Matt Finch's 14-hour AD&D session, he kept coming out for smoking breaks. And I got to know him a little bit this year, which mm-hmm. was nice. I told Joseph if he, if he was looking for me, I would give him a percentile table to roll on where Jim is at the con and 0 to 50 is outside smoking. <laughs> <laughs> So look there first, then go and... Then expand your search. (laughs) Okay, well, convenient enough, that's kind of my fourth, too, is we were just so busy. We The only time we got to actually look around in the dealer room was from 10 to midnight on Saturday after your game. And, of course, most of the places were closed up then. But we did manage to buy a few things. Um, We saw... John Peterson in the hall shook his hand and said, "Hey, you know, we'll we'll have to talk later at the con." Never saw him again. Yeah, later never came. <laughs> we'll have to have him on the show to do that. Yeah, yeah, because you know it's like, well, I can't meet. I don't have time to talk to you in purpose uh, or in person, but we'll have you on the show. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> so yeah, it it was busy, busy, and I can't really blame anyone but ourselves. Well, to be fair, Liz having to go to the funeral threw us off. We were expecting to be at the con Thursday around noon, and it became closer to 6. But from that point onward, it was just boom, boom, boom. Never had hardly a chance to breathe. I'm extremely grateful we got a chance to game together the three of us face-to-face, because that's our only chance every year. Pretty much. And, you know, we made... Or, you know, we made a special point. Like, we need to sign up for at least one of Jim's game sessions. Um, and I'm glad we did because, yeah, that was about the most time we got to spend with each other. I'm, I'm, <laughs> glad, I'm glad you did it, and ac- I'm glad you did it and actually followed through on it, as opposed to me, who you know begged a seat in Victorious and then got too busy to actually show up. <laughs> yes, but I'm a too good a person to mention that. <laughs> but I'm glad you did. Mia, mia culpa. <laughs> yeah. um, All right, you're four li- or three, Liz. Okay. Um, number three, getting to game top secret with Merle Rasmussen. That was pretty awesome. I heard a lot of that. It was a fun little game. I mean, it had some it had some over the top, you know, Gonzo stuff, but it was really really neat. And he also made sure that if you happened to come into the game and you had never played Top Secret before, you got to do you know, you got to experience all of the game mechanics 
you know, as far as, you know, figuring out, you know, rolling to on skills for your character, you know, combat, you know, everything. All parachuted, started by parachuting out of a plane. None of us had parachute skills. <laughs> so it was all just, okay, are you going to it's run like, into the plane as you jump out? Are you going to get the, get the, you know, the ripcord pulled in time? Are you? <laughs> yeah, and because none of us had any kind of skill in parachuting, we were joking amongst the table. It's like, okay, who did we piss off at the bureau? <laughs> right. <laughs> assignment. It's like, okay, these guys can't parachute. Let's give them a mission where they have to. Maybe we can lose some of them on the way. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it was a fun game. We had a, a blast and... So, yeah, we had parachuting, we had robo-camels, we had just all kinds of incredibly weird As stuff. As we battled the guards and minions of Sheikh Ahmad Personal Carrier. My goodness. <laughs> yeah. Armored Personnel Carrier. Really? Really? Okay. <laughs> All right. Just checking. Which, ironically, he didn't have one of, or we would have stole it. Instead, we had to steal his Range Rovers. Try and bring it back in one piece, Bond. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was fun. And then, well, let me throw in there that he gave everybody who played a shrink rack copy of a card game he made in the early 80s called Squirm, which was kind of cool. It's like it's, Metamorphosis Alpha 4th Edition, where I've got a pallet of them in Knoxville. You can have any copies you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, that may be what he did, but yeah. on the other hand, it was cool, because I've never seen it advertised anywhere. I mean, it's not collectible. It's just, you know, it's you're fighting a dragon and trying to basically survive long enough to get the treasure and stuff, and you play it through cards. We haven't opened one of them yet, but it, it looks kind of cool. That's pretty good swag. Here, here's your swag. A whole game. Yeah, here's a, a whole game. A free game. Oh, one more thing about Merle Rasmussen. Somebody, I don't remember who, went up to him with a war game and asked him to sign it. I think it was, was it Axis and Allies? Something. Anyway, Merle, he was telling us about this, and he said, you know, um, okay, but I had absolutely nothing to do with this game. He goes, I know, but it'll be cool if you sign it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just to make people wonder. Shades <laughs> of Big Bang Theory there, I guess. I mean, if it was like, this is my souvenir North Texas Con copy of the DMG Guide, and I want everybody to sign that, that makes sense. But Yeah. Well, Liz got him to sign her original top secret game set from 1981 that she still has. Aww. Yeah. So that was cool. So anyway, your third. North Texas Con, where the 14-year-old version of yourself's dreams come true. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Uh, where are we, three? three. Yeah. <laughs> Five. Three, sir. Um, my number three is uh, I'm constantly asked what the difference between Gary Khan and North Texas Khan is because I attend both, and this is no bang on Gary Khan. I'm not saying that Gary Khan isn't this way, just that North Texas Khan scores higher. It's the friendliest group of Khan attendees ever at that Khan, and I think that's partly a function of OSR players just rock in general. And Texas gamers especially rock. I mean, it's just the state you guys live in is super friendly. I, to, from to outside eyes, I'll give you specific examples. Uh, 
Zach and I uh, were hanging out at his booth and decided to go make a 7-Eleven run. And while we were there, I realized I left my brand new iPhone sitting on his con table. And I just, you know, had a panic attack. It was 30 minutes before we were back at his table. It's still laying there. Nobody bothered it. Um, the uh, tournament adventure that I ran for uh, Goodman Games. <laughs> but you got it back signed by Merle yeah, Rasmussen. Rasmussen. <laughs> <laughs> Could have happened. I... <laughs> Hey, you know, I'd never look at the back of my phone, son of a bitch. No, uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, another example would be the um, the DCC tournament I ran was a initial play test had not been play tested anywhere before from six different riders, and I didn't think it all the way through when I scheduled that. I'm just like, this will be a great con to play test this at. So before we get into the heavy edits. Okay, that's fine if you're just writing an adventure, but this is a tournament adventure where there are trophies to win. And, uh, you know, gamers can get really argumentative about the least little thing when it's competitive. And instead, I had the opposite experience where everybody, you know, I was up front and honest when, think, when we started playing and things were broken. I'm, I, you know, I told everybody what was going on and had an entire tournament table of people say, that's okay. We'll help you figure out what's broken and how to fix it when they're competing with each other. Does that make sense? Yeah. Every single person was was in. Gave us great feedback. Allowed me to fix enough things that by the second night it was running again. It was running great, and uh, I, you know, my mistake just showed how great the the gamers, the OSR gamers were that were at the con. So that was my number three. I didn't play in tons of tournaments in the eighties, but I played in two or three, and the people I played with wouldn't have acted that way. So maybe it's just as we've got, you know, people mellow as they get older or something. Well, again, like. Uh, it's it's very friendly at GaryCon, and I love the people in Lake Geneva, uh, Wisconsin. But uh, Texas, man, I, I'm I'm going to blame Mike and Doug because everything ultimately goes to the top down, right? They've created yeah. a con where it's just couldn't be any more warm and friendly. And I think it's really cool of them, um, which is my number three, is that you know when Bad Mike was on talking about you know they cap the membership, mm-hmm. you know or the attendance. As he said, as usual, there are people that don't show, so they can give door things. But even so, all the guest tables are outside the dealer room and game areas. So you don't have to pay to go up and talk to Darlene or Merle Rasmussen or Weeson Hickman, whom we didn't get a chance to even see. But, you know, I go back to my busy part. But, I mean, most cons, especially the ones trying to make a business out of it, would never do that. Right. And, but, you know, they want this to be a fun con. You know, Doug especially, he wants it to be fun first and, you know, money second. And sometimes that even makes Bad Mike shake his head, but, you know, you always have a great time with great guests. Well, so. you guys you guys have been to the little mini cons he peri- periodically has in the warehouse, right? One Some of them. them. Uh, okay. We've been to two, actually. Two? Was yeah. it two? Okay. Yeah. So this, this big official con, um, in my imagination, is just Doug's warehouse gathering spun up larger. It's very true to that same spirit. Would you agree with yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Um, because yeah, you walk in, you know, you got a couple of rooms, you got people running games, you got a little fridge, and then and you got I out s- there where they set up the video games. Yeah, and warehouse. I swear, Zach flies in. From <laughs> every Arizona. one of these things. Yeah, just about every one. I think he's maybe missed one. But he will fly into Dallas just for the mini con. It's oh, like, right. Wow. <laughs> Side note: 
One of the things that Bad Mike auctioned at the Satanic Panic auction was Zach Glazer's bag that he left at the last Minicon. <laughs> so he's pulling stuff out and <laughs> trying to and sell them. And Zach's jumping in to bid. <laughs> oh, Lord. So that was... That now, was some of those things... You know, I'm pretty sure we're deliberately placed. Yeah, when they're like a Cosmo magazine or something. Yeah, Cosmopolitan (laughs) magazine. There's a thong with the lesser gnome logo on it. It's like, yeah, these items were placed. At least some of them were. And in the end, end, Zach made the winning bid to get his bag back. Well, and maybe save his marriage, too. And maybe, maybe, you know, it's like, okay. (laughs) So, yeah, that's mine. Two? Two. Oh, dear. I want to talk about Victorious, but I want to save it for my number one. (laughs) So what would be my number two favorite moment? Hmm. Ah, well, I guess, and this is gonna this is gonna come off sounding real, oh, overly emotional and possibly girly. So I apologize in advance. But as Mike mentioned earlier in the show, um, I had gone to a funeral earlier that week. I had left on Sunday. Um, returned home Wednesday night before the convention. And then we spent Wednesday night and half of Thursday morning and afternoon, you know, doing our packing and getting everything put together and basically trying to cram three days worth of preparation into half a day. But anyway, it had, it had been a kind of nasty week, a lot of stuff to deal with. And, just being able to come to the convention afterwards and to see people and have such a good time, you know, I really, really needed that. Aww. And it was, it, it, it couldn't, it could not have happened at a better time, just coming on the heels of, you know, a family tragedy. So. Well, that and. I can't count the number of people who came up to you, Liz, and said, you know, condolences about your aunt. Yeah, you know, people who had seen it on my Facebook page. And, yeah. you know, I just made the one post, you know, back when I heard about it on Saturday, I guess it was, the previous Saturday. And yeah, because we didn't find out about it till we got back from the game on Saturday. Right. And you need to fly out on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, there'd been a... There had been a message from my mom on the phone when we got back, and I called her, and she told me, and I immediately started looking for plane tickets. Um, but, yeah, so my number two was, you know, just being able to have such a, you know, warm and enjoyable experience over the entire con. Because, like Jim said, people are so very friendly and, you know, nice at this convention and it's small enough that you can feel cozy and you know like you can really get to know people instead of just being a lost face in the crowd you know you're at the you're at some place but you still feel like you're completely alone because there's so many people and you feel like nobody 
you know, gives a crap whether you're there or not because no one knows you. You know, you don't get that at North Texas. You it, really don't. It's like visiting your tribe. I mean, yeah. Because there's, all of us have the family we were born to that we didn't get to pick and the family we've chosen. And OSR is the family we've chosen. Yeah. yeah. Or so. like being on Cheers. <laughs> Everybody knows your name. Mm-hmm. So that, that that's my number two. Um, okay. North Texas is good people. And Jip? That was that was so real and emotional. I feel ridiculous for the number two I pick now. But well, yours is awesome, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I as usual didn't follow instructions or show notes because the show notes clearly state your top five favorite moments of North Texas Con, <laughs> and I've been doing these long things. But my number two is an actual moment that made my entire convention. Um, I uh, have seen Larry Elmore at Gary Cons and stuff, and shook his hand and. You know, just met him and stuff, but I never got to spend any time with him. And as it should still happen, uh, the two of us just were out in the smoking area at the same time, both busting out our little cigarillos and uh, a uh, topic that's hot on everybody's minds right now is a certain Kickstarter uh, scam artist. And that name came up and Larry took me back home because I'm from Kentucky. The accent's trying to come back as a as I get older, but I, I, I intentionally lost the accent. Larry still got the accent from right down where I was born and raised. And Larry went on this 40 minute rant about this particular Kickstarter person. And it was just glorious. And that's how I got to know Larry El- Elmore, you know, was to sit there and listen. He sounded like my dad, you know, he was just, you know, awesome. if I'd had a gun, I'd have shot him right there, you know. <laughs> Wow. He needed killing. <laughs> and you know me, I, I, I adore a good rant. And, oh, uh, yeah. And it was, and, you know, and it, you know, obviously you, by extension, you can hear lots of, you know, industry talk and find out what's going on behind the scenes uh, at a convention like this. But uh, You're I not got, taping this, are you? No. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> no. I, I mean, I've cleaned this up for Save or Die because I don't want to get into it. But it was awesome to, to not only get to meet Larry Elmore and get to know him, um, because if you'd asked me what kind of guy is he prior to this, I just would know what you see, you know, in his art. And uh, he's great. He's fantastic. He's really okay. funny. So did he say, "All right, Jim, what was this about the last episode and my women?" <laughs> <laughs> no, I, he did not. So uh, clearly, he did he not. Okay, he, d- okay. he doesn't listen to safer time. But <laughs> no, it was Chris Gonderman. Anyway, but that, but that was a moment where I'm just like, okay, this can't. Ha- this this specifically can't happen at Gen Con. This can only happen here in Texas. Right. Exactly. Maybe at Gary Con, but especially at North Texas. So, cool. All right. Well, because I am the grump I am, I had to find something that happened that I didn't like. But your notes say favorite, Mike. It's my favorite to grouse about. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, we got to the we had had our hotel room reserved since last year or at the beginning of this year. That was it. Yeah, beginning of this year. We <laughs> and uh I had uh we got in Thursday or we, you know, Thursday we told them we'd be in at checkout at 1. We got there at quarter to 5. They didn't have our room ready. I'm like, we're four and a half hours late. How can you not have the room ready? I'm like, okay, okay, Liz did ask specifically for a first-floor room, so maybe that threw them off. So, okay, I'll cut them a little slack. Then we 
had dinner with Ben and Jared and several good folks, and then we went to the room. Everything seemed fine. And then that night, we go to bed, <laughs> we turn the air conditioner on. There is a water leak, condensation, maybe from the pipe or something, dripping. Now, that wouldn't be so bad, but it was inside the unit. So it was tapping the metal frame all night long. <laughs> Man. Yeah. I, Fortunately, we had earplugs with us. Thank God. That made it tolerable. And so that was really disappointing. Um, so, so it was disturbing your Matt Murdock radar sense. You couldn't sleep. That's exactly. right. <laughs> Chinese water torture. And, you know, I will say that food was still slow in the restaurant, but it wasn't as slow as last year. It was better, and the food was good, so I really can't argue that much. But, yeah, I that whole experience with the room on Thursday really kind of gave me a bad feeling. So that That is a pro tip to anybody who attends this con in the future. If you've got an hour before your game and you're thinking of going to the restaurant to get dinner, don't do it because you need nope. longer than an hour. Yeah, um, you really do. And <laughs> hour and a half, too, if you can possibly swing it. Either that or just make arrangements to begin with to have your food delivered to your table. <laughs> Which they will do. They will do it. Um, I mean, when you get your food, there's you know a caloric content to feed a small village on the plate, but it takes a while. And be sure to um, tip the winches who come bring you your food or such. So. Yes, tip your weight staff. Tip your weight staff. Okay, that's mine. So now, number one. Dun, da, da, da. All right. My number one favorite moment was your victorious game on Friday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> She's not biased. No, not at all. Uh, well, you made me create it, so, you know, I suppose that's only fair. I should think so. <laughs> but it was a fun game. Um, I, got the most, I got the most likes of any pictures from North Texas Con I put up on Facebook of you two and your adorable steampunk outfits. You want to make any Tom Petty comments this year? <laughs> Not that I saw. Okay. But, so, um... Yeah, we got to dress up. Yeah, we got to dress up. We choose to dress up. Um, we had to dress up. <laughs> we had up. to do it. Um, no, um, to, to try and promote the game, I always try to dress in my steampunk outfit. And, you know, Mike does the same. You know, there's certainly... And I remember my pants. <laughs> there's certainly no, you know obligation you can't it's like you can't play victorious unless you dress in steampunk no you don't have to do that we just do it because it's fun on, on the other hand you weren't alone other people we, did it too we were not alone huh? yes corbett kirkley of the gag men podcast showed up as lieutenant victory yeah and we had made a, a one of the pregens lieutenant victory wait 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 that was corbett that, that was corbett, corbett. yep because oh, i saw the picture but i didn't recognize him through the mask yeah. yeah, well, Lieutenant you, Victory. Well, you never do recognize them through the mask. That's, That's <laughs> secret identity, secret and I've identity. revealed it. <laughs> I was sitting there thinking, though, I've never seen that guy and Corbin in the room, same room at the same time. I thought that, but the mask fooled me. 
But yeah, yeah we had uh, when he showed us the or told us about the costume, we're like, well, heck, we he's going to be in the game. We've make, got to write this guy up. Yeah, so we made him as one of the pregens that players could choose from, and we were thinking there was a chance that you know. Corbett might actually be able to play too, and if he did, then he could play his own character, Lieutenant Vic. Failed. Ah, I can't anyway. blame him though. See, uh, point for Victorious because I can't do that. I can't say okay, and if you show up for my Mutant Crawl Classics game in a leather loincloth, you get bonus <laughs> points because nobody wants kind of- nobody wants to see that. <laughs> um, depending on what kind of mutant they play, they might could do that. What, like maybe say if they're if they're a tiger woman, they could paint tiger stripes on their face or something like or, that? Well, I was thinking more of something with tentacles or, yeah. But, you know, painted women will work, too. <laughs> this is an uncomfortable conversation. So. <laughs> <laughs> back, back to Victorious. Back to Victorious, yes. <laughs> so we were dressed up. We had one of the boardrooms set aside. Um and we got to play with a whole bunch of really cool people. We had um, we had Glenn from Thaco's Hammer and former Save or Die podcaster with us. So it was good to be able to game with him again. Um, Eric Tinker from Tinker's Tavern was there. His wife, Rachel, was also there. So I was not the only girl in the group. Also huh. awesome. So that's like an all-star crew. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Um, Dad's angry. Dad's angry from the OSR forums. Um, as a matter of fact, an amusing note, every single game that we were signed up for, Dad's Angry was also signed up for it. Yeah. He claims he's not stalking us. I'm serving judgment. He was sitting next to us at the uh, Satanic Panic auction. Although, to be fair, we sat we, next to him. Really. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> that he was already there but there we were two- know he's not stalking us because we're secretly stalking him stalking him yes. <laughs> well there were two empty seats next to him near the front so we went and sat down it's like oh hello you know <laughs> although in corbett's defense i will say that he had wanted to play victorious but his friend dave came along and and i couldn't guarantee dave a seat because it was already looking like i'd have eight people and nine is way too much for me. So instead, they were signed up for an icons game, and you know, Corbett felt bad about. Yeah, you know, I bet I nagged you to come to this con. Now goodbye. I'm going to go play something for four to six hours now, well, without speak, you. Speaking you know? of speaking of Corbett, before I get to my number one, sorry, Corbett, it's not the water buffalo hat, but everybody at work loves that thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a cool hat. But yeah. It was fun. Yeah, so we had a good time. We had a really great group of people. Um, they battled evil anarchists. <laughs> as opposed to the good anarchists, I suppose. Sure. Well, anyway. yeah, they thought they were doing the good thing. Well, yeah. But I suppose that's the, that's the nature of a lot of evil, quote-unquote. You know. Say, the Prince of Wales and Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> Well, having backed the Kickstarter, uh, I got the backer PDF starter rules and had them printed out, you know, to bring to the con because I planned on playing. And I've read it, Mike, and it's good stuff. Oh, you yeah. got you got to be mega happy. And thank you for letting us borrow. <laughs> right, so we had a printout. <laughs> so yeah, we we would have something printed for people to refer to if they needed to. And um, see, type A have- control freaks 
are everybody's friend when you need a can of Fix-A-Flat all of a sudden, because I've got that in my trunk. <laughs> Whereas, what do we have in our car? A spare bag of polyhedral dice. Well, we do have some bottled waters in the trunk in case we break down out in the middle of nowhere, you know, stuff like that. So, actual fix-a-flat, though? No, I don't have that. Yeah, we would have had copies if Liz hadn't been gone to Wednesday night. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff that I had planned on doing up for the game and just for us Liz had originally planned to do a, a very light English tea I was. I was going to make. I was going to like little scones and stuff to have available, you know, for people while they were playing. But I didn't have time to cook anything, so I didn't make any goodies for the game. Yeah. But that had been my intention for months. That I was going to awesome picture. <laughs> I like your tea, boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's what? magnificent. This tea is good. See, I can't, I can't do Strax. I'm going to have to leave the Strax impressions to you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, enough of Victorious. What's your number one? Who, me? Yeah, you. Um, this is a topic that came up between me and Zach. That, that's something we noticed that, again, is a, a slight... The same thing happens at Gary Con, but it seems to especially happen at North Texas Con. Is, is it, this doesn't have anything to do with the thong with the lesser known... <laughs> Well, since you mention it, I haven't seen a lesser-known thong at GaryCon. <laughs> but you know me, I don't stay up late and drink with the gang, so I, I well, can't yeah. testify that that's never happened. <laughs> it certainly hasn't been auctioned. So. Um, no, I can't. Well, yeah, never mind. I'm going to get me or somebody else in trouble. Uh, my number one is the spirit of invention and the business deals that seem to get struck at this convention. And I think that's directly attributable to Doug and Mike capping the event at 300 registered attendees. I mean, the, like I just said, I'm sure deals happen at Gen Con amongst the 50,000 attendees, and I'm sure it happens at Gary Con. But by capping at 300 and having like one in 10 people be uh, an old school guest, if, you, if, you, if you're looking to do you know, have your game published or get in, break into writing. North Texas is a great con to come to because you can pitch your ideas. I did it myself uh, starting three cons ago. I was out there with Harley Stroh going, well, what about this? No, we did that in Dungeon Crawl Classics 32. Well, how about this? No, we already did that then. But he was very encouraging, too, at the same time. And uh, I saw it happen, you know, at this con where there were guys working out new publication deals, all the uh, third-party and independent guys uh publishers show up here so that's my number one you want you, you want to you know break into the business the spirit of invention and and even game mechanic invention too less literally about business deals happens at this con oh cool so a networking but it's also more of a friend networking thing than the standard business thing going on so see you did that thing where i went on and on and on and you said it in two sentences <laughs> Yes, that, Mike. That's it exactly. Exactly that. Only he said it better, so I just said it briefly. But anyway, okay, my one is the Sunday afternoon 2E AD&D game with Kevin and the other people. Um, a lot of people don't know. Corbett, we knew Corbett back in the mid-'80s. He was in Tyler. And we were there mid to late, well, I suppose late 80s technically, but anyway, he was there, another guy we knew, Dave was there, Kevin McCarley was there again. For, so it was almost like old home week for 1989 
Tyler Gaming. We all got together and had a game that Kevin ran. It was kind of Cthulhu-ish, even being D&D, but it was still fun. <laughs> and that was cool to be able to sit around and game with him again. Uh, Dennis Pipes was there, too, and kept offering Liz sums of money for my Battlestar Galactica jacket. Okay. <laughs> He's like, if you ever want to get rid of that jacket. Yes, yes, I know. I know. <laughs> Here, have some more cake. Outgrow it. <laughs> get too big, so it doesn't fit anymore. Ah, now I'll get it. Let me buy you some lobster. <laughs> Eat up. Eat up. But hey, it was fun gaming with him, too. We all had a great time. So, to me, that was fun. It was very old school, dare I say. So that was my number one. Well, right on. It's like, you know, the Class 89. Got the game again. Right. Hmm. Right. It's it's all of us together gaming and, you know, all we missed was the guy who worked for the drive-thru coming in to bring us our food. <laughs> so Good old Chip. Good old Chip. Gone but not forgotten. <laughs> that is North Texas 2015 in 15 sections, I guess. <laughs> And that wasn't all by any stretch, just our top fives. So. Yeah, a lot more happened. A lot more a happened. A lot more happened. Talked to a lot more, well, not as many people as I wanted to, but more people. And if, had lots of fun. If I didn't drop your name, I meant to. I just forgot. All right. Well, now we're going to try something a little different. This is all Jim's fault, so I'll announce <laughs> it ahead of time. <laughs> but let's go into Products of Your Imagination. New Dungeons and Dragons. Power is won by finding new ways to battle. I can feel the darkness inside me. And being completely dragon flapping awesome. Set comes with spellbook, ritual rites, playboard, sacrificial dagger, and dice, dice, dice. TSR Hobbies Dungeons and Dragons game. Products of your imagination. I can feel the darkness inside me. (laughs) (laughs) Comes with sacrificial dagger. Where did you get that from, by the way? I I mean, you know, I'm just a a consummate thief. Uh, There's a (laughs) YouTube video that's just a big spoof of D&D, and I yanked clips from it, and a a European company, not an American company, I think did some kind of Legos version of D&D that was authorized back in the day. Ah, okay. That apparently uh, was dragon flapping awesome. Cool, cool. cool. Anyway, so this time, rather than giving a review of the con, we are going to give a review, each of us, of our favorite thing we picked up at the con. And we're going to start, since it was his idea, with Jim. (laughs) (laughs) I was all set to do uh, Goodman Games' uh, really nice reprint of the Judges Guild Citadel of... Uh, fire, but then I gave it to my brother because he was really eyeballing it, and I work for him, so it's in my best interest to do that. Yeah, (laughs) another thing that if we had known was there, I would have bought, but we, you know, by the time we got to the dealer room, most people were shut up, so... It's not yet, but typically there are leftovers, even though it was it had the North Texas, bat, North Texas badge on it. It was printed specifically for the con. Typically, the leftovers go on sale online, so you're, you're not okay. out of the running yet. I'll let you know. But uh, So I went with uh, what I should have gone with in the first place. Uh, two North Texas cons ago, Mike Curtis 
ran and I got to play in a one-off adventure he created called the Great Stonehill Laser Massacre. And every year Doug and Mike ask the uh, attending guests to contribute an adventure that they can package up, especially for the con and publish in digest size. So this year they published the Great Stonehill Laser Massacre, it says in the back (laughs) of the book, is the correct way to pronounce it, after the Arlo Guthrie song Alice's Restaurant. Which, and, as far as uh, if listeners don't know, Michael Curtis is the one who wrote Stonehill Dungeon. Yes. So, yeah. So is this an expansion? or This is just like a little secret level that's not included in Stonehill proper. Uh, uh, Mike ran it, uh, especially for North Texas Con two years ago. Then there was a limited edition PDF that was part of an auction a year or so ago that went out with it. This is the first time it's actually appeared in print. And uh, before I talk about it, they are uh, selling them. And as of right this minute, there's still 15 left. We'll drop the link in the show notes. But uh, there are still 15 of the North Texas Con editions of this left for sale, and Bad Mike's got it up on the web. So, And uh, the premise is it's uh, a Labyrinth Lord adventure uh, for mutant future characters. It's the inverse of uh, Expedition of the Barrier Peaks. Your you know, laser rifle-toting mutants fall through a portal and end up in the bowels of Stonehill Dungeon, and, and there's a way for them to get back home somewhere in the dungeon, and they have to fight their way through. And uh, Although it's for third-level mutant future characters, if you were to buy this and run it for your D&D crew, you want to up the level. You want them to be fifth, sixth level because it's it's a it's a tough place. But the and the other inspiration for it was you know every t- for every time your player's been killed by an orc arrow, this is the the game where you get to slaughter the orcs like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's even a slightly updated. It's got some great art uh, on the cover. Is Errol Otis's depiction of mashers. And Mike writes in the foreword that, as far as he can tell, that poor little creature that first appeared in the Monster Manual has never been included in a dungeon adventure ever before. So he put it in this and Errol did the art that's on the front cover. And some good Lloyd Metcalf and Janelle Jakeway's art and uh, a really terrible chunk of art by some guy. And Mike even customized it for the convention because the one encounter I'm going to spotlight is uh, Room 6 is El Diablo Miguel's Auction House, which has... (laughs) A uh, large man dressed in a chintzy Halloween devil's costume, complete with horns, cape, and plastic pitchfork, who stands on a dais with a collection of obscure tomes. And he immediately casts a suggestion spell that if the players don't save, they are compelled to start spending their gold and jewels buying these tomes. And then Mike gives you a two-page table of what you could possibly purchase from him, uh, including... uh, (laughs) Keep off the borderlands! <laughs> I'd buy that. Uh, Labyrinth Lurch Classics, which uh, <laughs> under condition on the table is signed by Harley Stroh, but the authenticity is questionable. Uh, espionage: A Spy Game. Oh, oh, and you could possibly in this dungeon purchase your own copy of Dallas in Space. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta have that. But uh, it's really good because it's just it's it's it's. It's only written with Mike's notes, so it's not fancied up the way Mike would do something for publication. It's like reading the notes he writes for his own campaign. He notes that in the foreword, and it's gonzo as all get out, which is why I love it. So it's just completely unfiltered Mike Curtis gonzo stuff, and you could run it for D&D or Gamma World or whatever you wanted. Oh, he seriously should write a parody module called Keep Off the Borderlands. (laughs) Right? I would buy that in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Although there ought to be someone in a bear suit in there somewhere. <laughs> so of everything I purchased at North Texas Con, that was my favorite thing. After Citadel Fire. 
<laughs> All right. Well, Liz. Okay. Well, we didn't cut. We didn't buy a whole lot, but yeah, because it was eleven o'clock at night at the o'clock at night. <laughs> but one of the things that we did purchase was a copy of the Gary Gygax Presents um, Fantasy Master game line um, called Ab- The Abduction of Good King Despot. And I'd heard about this adventure for quite some time, but never did actually get to really see a copy of it. And Bad Mike had this in you know his stuff at his table. So I'd asked him, you know, well, what do you know about this? Because I've heard about it, but I don't really know a lot of details. And so he said it was a game that Gary had always enjoyed running at conventions. And um, they had, had a lot of gonzo things in it, speaking of gonzo. Um, pretty much the, the sort of writing style that you would expect from, you know, some of the OSR you know, publications back in the day. So based on that, you know, we decided, you know, let's get this. So we bought it and it's just, it's really awesome. I I love, there's so many little puns, jokes, you know, all of that stuff that, you know, you could see from other publications, really old school, over the top stuff and very tongue-in-cheek humor all throughout, but do not think that this is not a pretty dangerous little adventure. Um, It's made for mid-to-high character levels. Um, It says in the front that it's the baseline, it was written for a party of eight, and so basically gives some suggestions if it's a smaller adventure party, you know, how you can scale it back a little bit, you know, or... Make it even tougher if, for whatever reason, you have more than eight people going through this game. Um, but yeah, it is a—it's an awesome little book. I mean, the the back, some of the the text to describe. Listen to this: it says, "The good king has been abducted. The kingdom has lost its benign, honest, and charitable ruler." At least, that's what he said he was, and the dubious tax-crippled citizens found it prudent to agree. (laughs) Despot's good queen cannot be consoled, though she tries very hard to find comfort. (laughs) It's like, wow! It's it's awesome, and inside, you know, once you actually get into the book, and it's, you get some of the background that the players will know, and says the queen well and i did not see a rumor table but Ah. it talks about how you know the the queen who is you know trying to find her husband says she immediately called together the council of soothsayers astrologers prophets and sages saps Saps. yes (laughs) (laughs) i was like wow (laughs) Well, that's that seems to be how Gary rolled. So yes. definitely. Now the thing is, it'd be fun to read that to a totally cold party and see who grasps it. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's the the writing is great, and you have all kinds of little tricks and traps and 
We would be horrid at this, Mike, because there's puzzles. Uh, We'd probably die. But <laughs> I think I think some of that is a DM test, Mike, because you would have to be able to read it with a straight face. Oh yeah, true, true. If you lose it in the middle of reading that flavor text, they know. Yes. Mm. True. True. For instance, read this with a straight face to your players. Great flashes of light, as well as moans and sighs, emanated from the Queen's private chambers for the next several weeks. On the rare occasions during this period, when the Queen attended to her duties, she appeared more distracted and considerably more disheveled than usual. <laughs> <laughs> she just can't rest with her good King Despot gone. That's right, she can't. Indeed. <laughs> but this is pretty much system neutral, and there is a formula that you can use to streamline combat and you know all of the situations, no matter what type of characters you're using for this. You're basically calculating your average party skill, your average party health, your average party armor, and you're using these average numbers to just totally streamline the process. Interesting. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you don't have to use it that way if you don't want to, but basically it's set up so that no matter what game system you're coming into with this, you could make those averages and then just run with very little, you know, further, you know, tweaking. So it's pretty cool. So most any classic version of D&D. Just about, you know, or, you know, if you're playing something that's not D&D, for whatever reason. Your top secret agents, parachute and yes. <laughs> So when we finally convince you to DM an online game with the rest of us as players, this is what you're going to run? Maybe. In your Boot Hill Call of Cthulhu crossover? <laughs> that was also a running joke from the old Tyler game. Yes, thank for, goodness. Since like eighty nine ninety, we're always saying, well, what are we playing next week? I think Liz has got her Boot Hill Call of Cthulhu crossover game ready to go, finally. <laughs> Liz is running. They Ta created Deadlands. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, that's Boot Hill Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> Liz is running Taco in Space. Space Taco. It's a cool little book. There's a separate inset of just illustrations. You know, like Tomb of Horrors, etc. You know, bunch of pictures that you can show your players depending on where they are in the in the dungeon. You know, pretty cool artwork. Um, so yeah, if you can find this, you know, even just as a PDF, you know, this is this is fun stuff. I was I was very pleased when we opened that up and I started to read through it. It's like this is even better than I was thinking it was going to be. <laughs> But I like the Gonzo stuff, so if you mm -hmm. don't like goofy stuff like that in your game session, you know, you could probably take a lot of that out. But there's some really, you know, nifty tricks and traps throughout the dungeon that if you wanted to play it totally straight and, you know, not do the flavor text about the king and queen, yada yada, you know, you, you could get some good stuff out of here. So if you want to run it and take all the fun out and just leave the deadly, you can. Yeah, yeah, you could do that. Listener advisement. This is the woman that has the Rocky and Bullwinkle role-playing game. So. That's right. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, like, I like weird and goofy stuff, and 
<laughs> now that doesn't mean I can't enjoy or appreciate a totally serious AD&D game. But yeah. you had me at hand puppets. <laughs> <laughs> ah, all right. Well, my choice was kind of hard to come up with because I didn't actually get anything role play at the con. It was weird. But by the time I got to buy stuff, either at the dealer room or at the auction, it was, you know, I bought an old issue of Wargamer's Digest, uh, bought an issue of TSR's former Wargame magazine, Little Wars, that I was missing. It's okay, Mike, if your favorite thing you got was radioactive dice. That won't hurt my feelings. <laughs> really? Okay. Although it made, it made Chase kind of go, what? When I mentioned, <laughs> oh, here are my radioactive dice. And then Liz's like, oh, yeah, Jim radio- radiated them, you know. See, it's got the symbol on it and everything. <laughs> it's like, it's not going to hurt you. <laughs> Probably. And I'm sure any mutation you get will be benign. Yeah, almost certainly. I, yeah, I must admit that was kind of sweet. But um, I eventually chose, back in the 80s, I was a big fan of micro games. Uh, they don't really do those anymore, but in the 1980s, all these companies, you know, Metagaming, Steve Jackson Games, Task Force Games, put out these little digest-sized boxes with games that you could generally play in half an hour. And those were really fun. I used to have a whole bunch of them. I lost most of them due to the travails of real life, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So Bad Mike was selling two of them that I'd wanted i never actually owned them my friend did but i always wanted copies of them and i got both of them they yeah, were tsr the auction wasn't it yep the midnight auction yep. it was two for one they didn't have the boxes the plastic boxes they sat in but that was okay because i had two spare plastic boxes and no games so this kind of worked out so which one'd you get which one'd you get i got revolt on antares oh nice um yeah um i think jeff d did most of the jeff art d art yep yeah and uh, Viking Gods. Jim Holloway art. Yeah. And uh, Alan Hammock wrote. And I really liked that one because you got to play the gods at Ragnarok. So that was kind of cool. It was cool to get them. I you know, scanned in, reread the rules, and it's like, yeah, I remember this. This is really cool. And you've got Hela wandering around, dragging random people into Niflheim. So it's almost kind of... Sweet. Yeah, in the late 70s, early 80s, that was a standard fantasy or sci-fi thing in a game, was there was just a random thing wandering around that'll wipe, you, wipe out your stuff unless you're careful. Like uh, Avalon Hill's Wizard Quest and Dune had that with a dragon and a big sandstorm, respectively. Cosmic Encounter. So apparently they imported that into this little game, so that was cool. And now all I need is a copy of They've Invaded Pleasantville. And I've got them all. Woo-hoo. All the DSR minigames. Oh, see, now we all know what to get you for your birthday, and you'll get ten copies. Oh, they're <laughs> extremely expensive, as you can tell by the title. You know, it's very high in demand. So if that's the only one you don't have, that means you even have all the crappy ones, like Icebergs. There was a game. Okay, no, maybe I don't have them all. I don't have Icebergs. I have Vampire, which I really enjoyed. Um, I've got Saga. Isn't there and- one about tanks? Uh, yeah, but that was metagamings. Rommel's Panzers and Stalin's Tanks. I've okay. got those. Um, vampire, or, the one with that beautiful Errol Otis vampire. Errol Otis art. Vampire yeah. on the front. Yeah. That was really cool. Um, I've even got 
Steve Jackson games Undead, which when I first bought it, I thought, well, okay, it's Vampire in a Better Box. But no, it's actually a mini role-playing game with a adjudicator as well as someone playing the humans and the other playing Dracula and the vampires. So See, I that was kind of cool. I screwed around until I forgot the one you actually need. Pleasantville. Got it. Okay, I'm on it. made it Pleasantville. Yeah, it's the stereotypical 50s alien pod people type game. So, you know, it's it's not the most interesting game in the world. But, you know, to be a completist. I got Ogre, GEV, you know, all that stuff. Creature that ate Sheboygan. I play-tested uh, that. Really? Really? Yeah, like fifteen years old. You you, you busted out and look at the playtest credits is Bluegrass Wargamers Group. Okay, Swear I'll to God, have to look at that. Woohoo! Yeah, Bluegrass, Kentucky. There yeah, we're go. we're down in Kentucky, going where the hell's Sheboygan? <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I'm in northern Mississippi, going, how do you pronounce Sheboygan? <laughs> Sheboygan? What? But anyway, so yeah, that was my fave for the for the purchases. And it's fantasy, you know, from TSR, so it's close enough. But, um, okay, do we want to give dragon ratings, or is it just assumed it's all going to be fives because it's our favorites? Yeah, I'd I don't... give it a line of five. <laughs> yeah, five. Five, yep. Or, uh, actually, to be a hard ass, I'll give it a four because I can't actually play it very well anymore. But I can read it and collect it, so oh, it see? only gets a four. Bah! You just wrecked our first perfect f- across-the-board five. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that will wrap up this episode. Wee Down the dusty Texas road. That's right. Rather dusty when it's not raining every week, <laughs> which is very not Texas. Not that I'm really griping about it, but, you know. Oh, and a quick thank you to um, Treebor, Robert Miller, from Driving from Dallas to Denton to hang out with me Wednesday night until Liz got home, since I couldn't make it to the con. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So that was pretty cool of him. We sat around talking about gaming stuff and (laughs) eight-million-year-old cats and everything. So, quick shout-out. So how are we heading down the semi-dusty, muddy road, Liz? Well, I'm heading down that road and getting ready to go try to rescue the good King Despot so that his inconsolable wife will be able to find some happiness again. And not die. And not die. <laughs> of exhaustion. <laughs> oh, what Lord. about you, Jim? Oh, hang on, I'll tell you. Uh, 47, so I'm going down the dusty road smoking <laughs> <laughs> my cigar, listening to awesome uh, industry gossip and Kickstarter rants from Larry Elmore. Cool. Well... I would be held it, heading down the dusty road myself, but I overbooked at North Texas, so I'll just wave to you guys as I'm heading off to Merle Rasmussen's Top Secret Game. Sorry. We'll talk later. <laughs> and that rolls us up for 109. Look forward to 110, where we'll be talking about Arjun Grimoire. Yay! With John Peterson. Double then he can tell us how much history we've got wrong. That's right. <laughs> so good night, everybody. Good night. See ya. Briark. And we're done. Yay. And it really wasn't over two hours. It just <laughs> looks that way. <laughs> Favorite iPod.
podcast is a production of Wild Games Productions in association with D20Radio.com. The Savored Eye theme music is provided by the band Mississippi Bones. You can find them at mississippibones.bandcamp.com. Wardrobe for DM Mike and DM Liz was provided by Botany1899. Promotional consideration was given to Skynet Technologies, building a better post tomorrow, and your local Fury Road stop and go, where it's never too late to arm yourself. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Save or Die. So, anyway, if you didn't hear it, Liz, for once, is the one making making uh, innuendos during the show, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> I'm just reading what's in the module. <laughs> it's yeah. not my fault. <laughs> I was just telling stories on you, Liz. Uh-oh. And I'm like, you know, when Liz and Mike and I game online occasionally, Liz gives me a run for the money. She's good. <laughs> and nobody believes it! Everybody, oh, it's Liz. She's sweet and kind and just... I am sweet and kind. Followed by little animals. I'm always wanted, like I'm